Hello, I'm Dan. And I'm Simon. And this is a special episode of the Wikicast, the podcast about random Wikipedia articles. Today, we are joined by a guest. Yeet, my dudes. Oh, who could it be? He's here. (laughs) It's me, Adam, the editor. Whoa. Now, what's amazing about this episode is that Dan and I are actually just recording it on our own, and Adam is inserting his lines. It's it's an Mm. editing masterpiece, this episode. Yeah, fully, a fully... In fact, well, I think unless you didn't receive the email, Simon, we've actually fully scripted the next uh, hour and and a half or so. Oh, I'm about to make Adam's life very difficult because I have not received that. I'm going to go off script. (laughs) Oh, no, Simon went off script. Whatever will I do? (laughs) Yeah. We're not ready for this. Well, oh, wait, uh, hang on. future Adam, what article are we talking about? Well, this week, Simon, we're talking about Theos Casimir Bernard. That's a hell of a name. Oh, yeah, it's a hell of a it name. It is indeed, yes. So Theos Casimir Hamati Bernard was an explorer and author known for his work on yoga and religious studies, particularly in Tibetan Buddhism. Huh. Whoa. I was expecting um, a a scientist, I suppose just because Casimir is one of those names that you associate with it. But okay, right. So what time period are we talking? So we're talking, uh, he lived between 1908 and 1947, so not a hugely long life. Oh, Um, But yeah, he was uh, born in California... Uh, oh, so he's, I... a, he's an American um, and became a yoga celebrity as he was the nephew of Pierre Arnold Bernard, who is uh, Oom the Omnipotent. Oom the Omnipotent. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That sounds like a bad D&D character. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it does a bit, doesn't it? And who comes up with that kind of... Ni- what? No, you know what? We haven't got time to get into like the full nitty gritty of, of how much batch this is um oh there's a swear for you enjoy that one future adam <laughs> okay so he's a yoga celebrity basically yeah so this says his account of old style hatha yoga as a spiritual path uh, is a rare insight into the way these practices uh known from medieval documents uh, actually worked so it seems yeah. like he was bringing old style medieval yoga into the 20th century. So he's that link between legit yoga and annoying pumpkin spice latte yoga, like now, like all the new age hippie stuff. Like he's the like link that made it possible, but was not himself a new age hippie, it would appear. It seems like it, yeah. Oh, that's kind of, that's a slightly sad story actually then, isn't it? Because like all this stuff that he was presumably quite passionate about has been co-opted by a bunch of <laughs> basically did he i mean we'll, we'll no doubt get to this but did he die in a tragic yoga move accident because he died young right what did you say he yeah. was born in 08 uh, and died in 47 oh yeah, please tell me he died so, in a yoga based accident i'm gonna skip forward to the bit which which says final journey uh, Whoa. Oh. in 1947 bernard and his third wife helen again visited northern India on an expedition to the key monastery in Tibet in an attempt to discover special manuscripts. In October, while in the hills of Punjab, in what is now Pakistan, uh, intercommunal violence associated with the partition of India broke out. He and his Tibetan companion were shot and their bodies thrown in a river. He was declared dead several months later, though his body was never found. What a way to what go! What a way to go! Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, hive mind moment there. <laughs> what? A, what a way to go! <laughs> yeah. Yes, I concur. Good grief! Um, wow! It's a bit of a yikes, really, isn't so he, it? He yeah, could it still is. be alive. You know, like he could have. Yeah. He could have I mean, survived that. Much He'd like be... in film, like film logic, if you don't see the death, he's not dead. They yeah. never found yeah. his body. Maybe he's maybe he's still going strong, pioneering Tibetan ancient. <laughs> I mean, I was actually, I was looking this up the other day about human uh, longevity records. You know, people famous for living for a really long time. And like 100, mm. so what would, yeah, it'd be 112, 1908. Yes, so it'd be mm. 112. That's very doable. You could, and, and and often you do get people who live in places like Tibet and Nepal and Japan. There are like certain places where people do live for a really long time. He could still be out there, Theos. If you're listening, give us a bell. <laughs> I don't or he could be. He could be one of the. Who was it? Old Tom Parr. Old Tom Parr. Yes. Yeah. Maybe he's another one of those. I mean, I don't think Old Tom Parr was particularly up on his yoga, but oh, he, you never know. 
I well, mean, it is it is a very spiritual yoga. So maybe like he's he's you know eating the the unborn fetuses uh, in in sort of yoga sense, and is just extending <laughs> his life through through this spiritual yoga. Are you saying yeah, that he's, he's a, projecting his astral self? He's a vamp, an energy vampire. Basically, oh, yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, as soon as as soon as you, as soon as you put that good vibes, as soon as you put that in his description, like explorer, author, energy vampire, suddenly like <laughs> as a that's a hockey stick sentence. <laughs> like, wow, wow, this is this is an interesting guy. Well, speaking of interesting guys, we're very happy to have Adam here uh, on the oh, podcast. This is how long have you been editing the podcast for us, Adam? Um, oh, let me check my files i'll see what the first episode i edited was and then we can check that so the f- looks like the first one i edited was episode 55 oh my god a while ago now and this is this is 81 um, yes yeah. yeah that's it's a long old time that yeah, you certainly earned your uh earned your stripes and colors and and god knows what else mm. and, and well i mean he's earned the right to be to be put out to pasture at this point because you know, you've got a degree to focus on, so this is the last episode that you are editing. It is, yeah. And uh, we wanted to... Well, and it's not like we're rewarding you by becoming on the show. We've talked about yeah. doing this for a while. We were like, well, yeah, let's make him edit his own voice. He's going to have to sure. listen to himself yeah. <laughs> endlessly. So it looks like uh, episode 55 was Haskell, Texas, and that was on March the 2nd, 2019. So it's been... It's been a year and a bit. It's been a year and a bit. Yeah. yeah. Goodness. Well, I mean, it's it's definitely. I mean, certainly from my perspective, it's definitely helped immensely having such a talented editor who I can just like mm. pass off our files to and be like, "Yeah, go make this into something usable." And then Adam waves his his magic wand. Um, and always <laughs> and always surpassing not just usable but just brilliant. You know, mm. <laughs> I still I still have my reaction when I heard the. Um, old man dan podcast jingle that you put together was just absolutely extraordinary i think honestly that that was probably my favorite piece of editing through the this entire process (laughs) it was superb it was really brilliant i was like oh you know what would be really funny some like really sort of bougie commercial Mm. style like jingle for the old man dan podcast with like really sort of um asmr vibes Stuff like that. I was like, yeah. And the audio it. panning to the left and right ear was just like, oh yeah. But oh. you see, that's the thing. That that was just a um, that was completely unintentional, but it worked so well because sometimes when you put some of these like effects on on your voice, it can mm. do some weird sort of sort of volume stuff between the light and right and left channel, and mm. it just makes like that really weird sound. Um, oh, that's great. And yeah, it worked really well. I mean, it's one of, that is such a, from an editing perspective, like panning, which, which would be the technical term for moving sound from one ear to the other. It's so easy to do, but it somehow feels like it's a very premium editing thing to do. Like the people yeah. think, oh, yeah, that must have taken a long time. And it's like, no, I just dragged this slider, really. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah. well, when it's, it's when it's used well, I think, is the thing. Because if it, if it is easy to do, but it's it's tasteless in, in, in kind of choice, it's not the same. Yeah. But I know, I mean, someone who talks about panning all the time in his like logic session breakdowns is Jacob Collier. Um, mm. And for him, it's not just left and right channels. He uses some, I forget the name of the program, but it effectively... It, it charts the um, left and right channels on a, in a 3D plane. Oh, yeah, so it's like 5.1 where... surround sound type thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uses that in his in his arrangements to, to, you know, not just put something more towards the, you know, left channel, but in this particular plane of space within the left channel. It's really cool. So the people that really get that are ASM artists, like yeah. people that make ASMR, and it's like, oh my god, like it, it's so three dimensional. It's it's amazing that it's even possible with just two inputs. Like, yeah, mm. yeah. And um, the other thing it reminds me of is I'm not sure if you've heard it, but 4D audio and 4D music. Oh yeah, yeah. Is that the, is that the stuff that has tactile elements to it? No, no. It's it's um. It's often often kind of uh, paired with some trance like oh, video. T- sorry, yeah, it's 8D audio. They, what? They say it's 8D. How is um, that even possible? Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know if I can sort of play some to you. I don't think I'll be able to uh, put it in the the episode. But hmm. uh, there was one by Billie Eilish that became Steady quite famous. Oh, I think I've I think I might have heard this one. Let's have a look. 
And there's a good little bit uh, from 1.15 onwards. Let's have a listen to this. Hang on. Right, I'm, I I can hit, detect three dimensions. I'd be very interested to know where they get this these additional five from. Are they, yeah. Uh, any audio technicians listening, could you advise on whether there are caliber Yao manifolds hidden in this music? Or... Wow, I'm going to have to Google this. This is 8D music. What, what, what nonsense is this? But the thing is, it just sounds like with these songs, it just sounds like they've got this this um, this 3D space sort of software and they're just but, making the, the sound go around. But like, why add the additional D? In a it, it's, it's, it's 3D audio. If it, yeah. like, What's the purpose of just adding an extra 5Ds? 3Ds is quite enough. Yeah. Ask Piper Perry. What was I going to say? Uh, there was something else we were going to come back to. Uh, blah, 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 blah. You're going to have to edit this out. Actually, no. Who am I kidding? You're absolutely going to include this in the, <laughs> in the fucking <laughs> thing. Something that I've learned from doing sort of both video and audio editing is that they are incredibly different beasts. Like, they, yeah. like video is a definite... You have to worry about spatial stuff when it comes to video. And I, I, perhaps this is just that I don't go into enough detail on, on video, but I feel like with audio, it's so much more fine-tuning. There's so much more, like, attention to detail and how much reverb you're putting in, where you're placing stuff. Because I suppose on a fundamental level, it is simpler. You have fewer variables to worry about, so maybe you can just craft the, the variables you do have that bit more. Yeah. yeah. I've certainly found that through lockdown with producing um, both video and audio virtual choirs, that once you get into the kind of flow of it, your kind of methodology of knowing what you need to do to make it sound more like a cohesive choir and and putting a convincing false acoustic into it, you, you know what the little things you need to tweak. Whereas when I've done six to eight people on a screen at once, trying to get that all to sync up nicely and be clean. Also, bearing in mind that I'm only doing most of these things in like free software, right? Mm. I mean, I'm using GarageBand or iMovie. Mm. Um, it takes forever and a day because it just can't manipulate that data nearly as well as, say, you know, Adobe Creative Cloud um, software. But then, like, to me, audio is way more black magic. Like, for video is oh, like yeah. a checklist of things that you need to do, whereas audio, it's like, I don't know, I'll try a bunch of stuff and see what works. Yeah. 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 Although I do find sort of, you know, at the start of every episode, I tend to, uh, you know, sort of get out the audio files and then look in sort of a parametric EQ or something like that and then basically just find where all of the different, like, resonant frequencies are and try and cut them out a bit and stuff like that. And so it's a bit, you know, chip shop at the start. Um, mm. where you just know you have certain things to do that will clean up the audio to an extent. And then, mm. like you said, there's the black magic that you can do further than that, which is just, yeah, like, as you say, black magic, where it just improves further than that. It is more an art than a science, whereas I feel like video editing feels more, well, like a science. Like, there is mm. just, like, a definite set of steps that you do every time and then a few fancy bits on top. Mm. But So, Adam, how has lockdown been treating you? Dan's been saying that he's been doing sort of choiry type stuff distanced. How, what have you been doing during lockdown? Yeah. Well, I, was, I finished, I sort of started off the lockdown with, with finishing off the uni year uh, last mm -hmm. year with, with exams from home, which was fun. That that sort of you got it. Just... You, if I remember rightly, didn't you have one of them that went right down to the wire? Like you submitted one the minute that it was due. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, it was. It was either that or a minute late. But essentially, you have to complete the exam. Uh, luckily, we were given an hour additional to what we would normally have. However, I think the sort of lecturers took that as, oh, well, you know, we can make these questions a little bit harder. Uh, mm. Like We're, we're going to say that we're not, but we, we can make them a bit <laughs> harder so that you actually use up a lot of that time. Mm. Uh, and then we had to scan in all of our documentation um, with all of our information on every page kind of thing and then mm. upload it to a, to a website. It was, it was quite stressful in that it was, it was something very new and that we hadn't yeah. done it before and it was very uh, unfamiliar and presumably too the process of submission just kind of tedious beyond belief because you don't oh, think yeah. about when you when you're actually sitting a paper you went you know back certainly when i had exams when i was at uni you would just sit in your seat and someone would would just come to the desk and take it away yeah, it was just yeah, that, and i was like well that's it fine done you know once you um, put down your 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 pen at the end it's like okay yeah. that's it i'm done but no yeah, with yeah. this it's like okay am i done do i have enough time to get this uploaded uh, to take pictures of all of it uh, put it into yeah. a pdf format and send it off in time 
Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it definitely was sort of cutting things down to the wire. And um, then you had an internship after that. I did, yeah. Yeah, I had an internship. I was working uh, with the University of Bristol particle physics department on Clang. The, the yeah, the June <laughs> yeah. deep underground neutrino experiment, um, working on upstream DAC, uh, in particular, uh, buffering and readout of the, you know, the raw data. Uh, and actually putting it into uh, a buffered storage using NVMe drives, which was really fun, actually. I really, really mm. enjoyed it. And yes, yeah, since then, I've been having some time off, getting ready for my final year at uni, and pretty much been playing video games all day, every day. I believe the exact phrase you used was, I've been spending my days doing f*** all. That's, that's <laughs> the term, yep. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> very strong, very strong. Yeah. But I mean, have you... <sighs> Because certainly for me, I, this is lockdown hasn't actually changed very much because this is how I spend my days anyway. But mm. uh, you know, how has how has the how have the changes affected you and your your lifestyle? I don't like it with how uni is working uh, with the lockdown, obviously, because you know it means that I'm having to sit at my desk all day at home and I'm not able to you know actually walk to uni, which mm. is. Just one thing that I I realize now that I I love so much is actually just being able to walk somewhere in the morning, be mm. there, and then walk home in the evening. Um, you know that that ten minute walk for me is is so important. But now I'm I'm, I'm getting to the stage where I'm I'm running a lot more just to try and get out. And you know, yeah, it's just a lot of sitting and a a bit of walking. Mm. It's it's been quite a big change in in how I'm doing things really. I feel like people generally are adapting to not having commutes, and th- and that's that's strange, but like that's actually affected quite a lot of. I was talking to to Tom, who I was uh, Tom Dowling, who I was recording a video with yesterday, and he was saying that he doesn't listen to podcasts anymore, for example, because yeah, when would you? <laughs> you know, yeah, I tend to only really listen to podcasts when I'm out walking to the shops now, um, and when I'm walking about the shops. But now we're back to to ordering food online again, and so. Mm. I'm probably not going to listen to many podcasts anymore either. Yeah. But I'm also I've also noticed that I'm not listening to music or finding new music as much anymore either. I tend to the only real things that I tend to listen to on Spotify now is video game soundtracks and, you know, music for when I'm working. Yeah, like your Spotify recommended, like all of the uh, the playlists are like, oh yeah, here's some chill music, here's some concentration music. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I tend to listen. To, I don't know. Well, Dan, you you've been spending your days doing f- all as well, I suppose. So mm. you can do whatever you want. But I mean, I've been listening to podcasts when doing the washing up, and that's been it. Like, mm. there's there's no other point because I can't work and have a podcast on. That's way too distracting. Oh yeah. Like I don't know, Dan. Have you been listening to many? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I mean, I, I've been making conscious efforts to. I think I haven't ordered food since, like, as in to do like a weekly shop or something, for months and months and months. I will make a point now of maybe going to the shops and doing two smaller shops twice a week, um, and I will walk. It's probably like a twenty-five minute walk to the to the waitress near me, just because it give a it gives me something to do. It means I can listen to something on the walk. Similarly, if I'm not doing anything in the afternoon, but I just fancy mooching about somewhere, I will. It's funny, Adam, that you mentioned realizing that the kind of those small those those kind of more seemingly menial parts of your day walking to and from uni for instance and how much you realize that they're moments that you love some Mm. of my fondest memories were certainly in my in my last two years at uni um one of the one of my classics modules was ancient literary criticism um, which was by far the best module i did but at the 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 two weekly seminars two-hour seminars were were at like 8 30 on a tuesday and a Thursday or something, so pretty early. And at that time in winter, it's still kind of pitch black. Mm. Um, and it was so nice to have, you know, to rug up, walk walk over to Queens or whichever building I was in, and then also like walk back, put the kettle on, and it's and everyone's still just starting to, you know, to wake up. And it's yeah. it's it's a really lovely thing. I'll, I'll now just, you know, if 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 it's nice weather and it's pleasant on an afternoon, I might walk to the chapel and sit outside the chapel with a coffee or something and it's yeah it's really strange the world's weird the world the yeah, world's gone completely is. weird um it's very weird speaking of of weird worlds perhaps we should return to our our yogi of choice today not a bear 
but a Casimir. What was his first name again? Theo? Uh, Theos. Theot. What kind of name is Theot? Anyway, um, so we've done the we've done the overview in the actually, end. Hang on. It's interesting that you say what kind of name is Theos because it actually tells you where the Theos comes from. Oh, go on In the then. article. Well, it, it just says the name Theos is the Greek for God. He called himself God. Well, actually, no, hang on. Did he change his name or did his parents call him that? No, he, yeah, no, that's, you're right, Simon. He chose his own name at birth. Like, like what, what said, child? I am Theos. What, what parent, I suppose either is ridiculous, but what parent is like, yes, this child shall be called God. <laughs> like, well, it seems like his father, it, it says here that his father was, had a, a big interest in spiritual philosophy of the East which caused his him and his and his wife's marriage to fail uh, when he moved to India. And this is this is quite funny too because I found I'm I'm just reading through this bit of the early life bio about this lovely chap Theos and he his mother's name is Aura. So you think, "Oh, yeah. right, okay. Mother is Aura, son is Theos. His dad's going to have an equally bizarre name as well." No, no. His name is Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Uh, what's that middle name as well? Glenn Agassiz. Agassiz? Aga... Well, it's A-G-A-S-S-I-Z. Yeah, Agassiz. Isn't, as in, like, Andre Agassiz, the um the tennis player. It, Interesting. It's just... I mean, I just love Glenn. Yeah, Glenn. That's great. Glenn. How's, how's little baby Theos doing? <laughs> Normally, we don't look at the article that the other person has, but screw it. Um, his, his wives had fantastic names as well. Viola Wertheim, Ganna Walska, and Helen. Helen, yeah. <laughs> Presumably of... Troy? Question mark? Oh god. Yeah. Gana Gana Walska has her own um wiki article and she looks like Frodo f- Baggins. Oh my like... she does. <laughs> you know what? That's one of it no, it's one of those photos where, you know, on the Graham Norton show, whenever Daniel Radcliffe's on, they prove that he's a time traveller. And they, yeah, they, they find yeah. all these photos of people that look like him. That could it could easily be Give give Ganna some glasses. Oh, there's a bit of trivia here about Ganna for, for the for the film fans amongst us. Um, I'll read the little sort of blurb at the top of her page. Um, Ganna Wowska, born Hannah Puaks Puash. Uh, oh God, Res is going to hate me. Was a Polish opera singer and garden enthusiast who created Yay. the Lotusland Botanical Gardens at her mansion in Montecito, California. She was married six times. Four times to wealthy husbands, the lavish promotion of a lackluster opera career by her fourth husband, Harold Fowler McCormick, inspired aspects of the screenplay for Citizen Kane. Hmm. Direct inspiration for for Citizen Kane. That's pretty cool. She married a whole bunch of wealthy dudes. Two of them died. No, three of them died, including one guy who claimed to have invented a death ray. That was Harry Grindle Matthews. Nice. Maybe he used the death ray on himself at some point by accident. Just like, Jesus, this uh, singing's awful. (laughs) (laughs) Death ray. Oh my goodness, go and look at the picture of the death ray. Harry Grindle Matthews, death ray. Oh, wow. It's certainly something. It looks incredible. If I had to describe it, it looks like two beehives. Uh, On the top of one of them is a tin can with rocket engines attached to it uh, yeah. but bear in mind that everything in that i've just said you have to scale up by about five times bigger than you think it is yeah wow god we've really gone down a rabbit hole this is great the air ministry was apparently interested but wary because of bad experiences with would-be inventors <laughs> in matthew's wow. laboratory they saw how his race switched on a light bulb and cut off a motor oh that's interesting so this guy harry matthews uh, studied at the Merchant Ventures School in Bristol. In Bristol, and became ah. an electronic engineer. This this sounds like a, this this could be a film. Just listen to this paragraph. On the twenty seventh of May, nineteen twenty four, the High Court in London granted an injunction to Matthew's investors that forbade him from selling the rights to the Death Ray. When Major <laughs> Wimperis uh, arrived at Matthew's laboratory um, in. Uh, to negotiate a new deal, Matthews had already flown to Paris. Matthews' backers appeared on the scene as well as um, as well, and then rushed to Croydon Airport to stop him, but were too late. We've got to get him. He's got the plans for the death ray. This guy sounds Quick, like to... some sort of Doctor Doofenshmirtz. <laughs> yeah, to Croydon. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Wow, this guy guy. definitely just got smashed one time, claimed he'd built a death ray, and then he spent the next, like, decade of his life... Actually, wait, hang on! That entire section of the death ray is about... It goes from 1923 to July 1924. 
<laughs> like this, that was yeah. a wild ride in his life. So, so this also says here that he attracted interest of various other would-be inventors who wanted to demonstrate their own death rays to the war office. None of them were convincing. There's also a section here... <laughs> Wait, <laughs> what? Uh, in 1935, he became involved with the right-wing Lucy, Lady Houston. What? Uh... Okay, that's another rabbit hole we can't afford to go down. And intended to carry out experiments in French naval submarine detection from her luxury yacht, the Liberty. Later, he propagated the idea of the Strataplane and joined the British Interplanetary Society. His reputation preceded him, and the British government was no longer interested in his ideas. Well, speaking of him being taken seriously, this is another paragraph I want to read because it's glorious. Um, and it mentions um, one Professor Woods, who you will hear shortly that is a legend. In July 1924, Matthews left for the US to market his invention. When he was offered $25,000 to demonstrate his beam to the Radio World Fair at Madison Square Garden, he again refused and claimed without foundation that he was not permitted to demonstrate it outside England. US scientists were not impressed. One Professor Woods offered to stand in front of the death ray device to demonstrate his disbelief. That is incredible. I love that. Imagine that. Put your money where your mouth is. Yeah, yeah, I'll stand in front of it. Go on. (laughs) Do it. I've got to like... Amazing. I I love this period of like, sort of... Uh, late 19th, early 20th century, these stupid inventions that like anybody you could see now doesn't don't work. The final the final sentence of this section death ray was that Matthews moved to the US and began to work for Warner Bros. <laughs> Great. This is the I mean, if we're ever going to have a mascot for this podcast, can it please be Harry Grindle Matthews? What a legend. Ah, oh, fantastic. Well, there you go. <laughs> Oh, he's from Gloucester. Warner Brothers, brilliant. He's from Gloucestershire as well. Oh, and he died in... Oh, how on earth do you pronounce that? How would you pronounce the name of the place where he died? Tor Claude? Claude? Oh, I would say Claude. Claude? Yeah. <laughs> in in... Pandy, I'm going to guess. And he died in Tor Claude in Hanky Panky <laughs> uh, in Swansea, Wales. Well, God, I mean, peace. It's how we all want to go, you know? It is, in fairness. <laughs> Can you imagine though, if you're having sex with somebody and they die, like they, they, that's how they want to go. That's great. But how would you feel as the survivor of this interaction? Like, would you be proud or would you bear guilt with you yourself for the rest of your life? You're like, I'm so good at this. I literally killed someone. Amazing. Okay, so we were meant to be talking about this yogi, weren't we? Um, Yeah. So we just got to stratify an equally mental story of Harry Grindle Matthew. I like how also in like a, in three clicks we went from a, biz, a like a bizarre medieval Tibetan Buddhism uh, researching yogi to death rays. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> only on the wiki cast, yeah. folks. Yeah, fantastic. There was a, so th- an article that I also opened up earlier, just when we were talking about how uh, if the, you know if this Theos guy could still be alive. Um, mm. the, the, there is quite an interesting article on, on longevity, um, and well, actually. Interesting question. Does anyone know how old the oldest person who's been verified by modern documentation has been? Um, I'm going to say 122. Jean-Louise Calment was 122 years and 164 days old. Claps for Dan. Wow, look at that. That is, which apparently defines the modern human lifespan. Like, everybody is expected to live 122 years. Um, The oldest man in history uh, is Jeromon Jeromon Kimura, who was 116. Um, And it's interesting that sort of, you know, there's like various things saying like, you know, if you live in certain places, you live for longer and like people live longer over time. Um, There is a list of people pre-20th century who lived more than 85 years, including John Adams, the everyone's favourite president from uh, Hamilton, Cato the Elder, Thomas Hobbes, Eric of Pomerania, King of the Dogs, wow. <laughs> I yeah. assume, wow. uh, and Michelangelo, or Michelangelo, uh, apparently he lived for a really long time. And there's a lovely sentence here that says, women normally outlive men. Theories for this include smaller bodies and thus less stress on the heart, a stronger immune system since testosterone acts as immunosuppressant, and less tendency to engage in physically dangerous activities. 
which is the understatement of the f***ing century. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like, men do stupid things. I mean, I'm not going to say that women don't do stupid things, but men definitely do stupid things with a higher frequency than, than women do. I mean, what a ride. Mm. I, I, feel, I feel like I need to have a sit down. Cross-reference, <laughs> um, death race. <laughs> Yeah. Can you imagine just... if that scientist's faith was misplaced and like he's just turned into a smoking pair of boots? <laughs> like <laughs> this guy was just like too modest. He wasn't actually a crackpot. Wow. Sorry. This is really interesting stuff. Actually, at the end of this this article, non um, non human biological longevity. A possibly two hundred fifty million year old bacterium, Bacillus permeans, was were was revived from stasis after being found in crystals in a cavern in New Mexico. That's the ultimate Jumanji. What year is it? <laughs> like when, mm. when these things went into uh, the crystal, they were, well, hang on, 250 million years ago. Would that be the Permian period? I think that's the Permian period, or it might be Triassic. But like, bloody hell. And then also there's um, a, the Quahog clam uh, has a maximum recorded age of 507 years and a bowhead whale killed in the hunt was found to be approximately 211 years old. The oldest, the longest lived mammal. That's a really interesting article, this actually. So I'm just looking at this um, this Theos Casimir Bernard again. Uh, and there's a section here which is about the, the Hatha Yoga. And it says that during the 1940s, Bernard completed his PhD at Columbia University under the supervision of Herbert Schneider. Um, and basically, he Whoa. did a PhD in yoga. And <laughs> wow. He, he published his dissertation in 1943 as a book, Hatha Yoga, The Report of a Personal Experience. Wow. Hang on, is that going to be published anywhere? Yeah, it should be. It was illustrated with high-quality studio photographs of Bernard in the yoga practices he had mastered. It was one of the earliest uh, earliest references in the West, possibly the first in English, on the what's that, as- asanas or asanas and other practices of hatha yoga as described in, su- in texts such as hatha yoga pra- pradipika, uh, which is... Your a, guess is as good as mine. Yeah, apparently a, a classic 15th century Sanskrit uh, manual on Hatha Yoga. There is, I found a PDF of his thesis. Hatha Yoga, the report of personal experience by Theos Bernard, MA, PhD, LLB. Is that a lawyer LLB. thing? I'm not entirely sure. Law degree, that is the abbreviation for Bachelor of Laws. This guy of a life. And it's Maybe. dedicated to Ganovalska, which is sweet. Oh, I have to sign up for Scribd if I want to read it, though. Wow, that's not, that. This is nice. I like the fact that there's like we can read about that he did a PhD thesis, and we can actually read it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, how? Oh, I can. Oh, no, no. There's a copy here that I think I can read without having to pay for anything. The contents are illegible. Okay, I'm not even going to try and pronounce these. It's only, oh God, it's bloody short. It's only like sixty-five pages long. Oh, and I thought my thesis outrageous. was a bit short. Oh no, the index, <laughs> it's 106 pages long, but pages 65 to 106 are the index. Good lord. Cop this, out. This is oh. also interesting. So while working on, on the Hatha Yoga, uh, this is when he met, met and married the, uh, the Polish opera star. Apparently they purchased the historic 37-acre uh, Cuesta Linda estate in California naming it Tibetland as they hoped to invite <laughs> Tibetan monks to come and stay. This proved impossible during the war. In 1946, they divorced uh, and Walska renamed it to Lotusland. Oh, and I read about that on her article. Ah, it's all coming together. Come on over yeah. to Tibetland. We've got... Um... It's now a non-profit yeah. botanical garden. Oh, that's very sweet. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I am concerned that we've been talking about a Wikipedia article for altogether too long. So I think perhaps we we should we should draw a a veil over this whole bizarre section. Draw pull it pull across the velvet <laughs> curtain and do not disturb it again. And Dan, everybody's favorite section of the podcast is upon us. People definitely haven't sent us emails explicitly saying that they don't care about it. <laughs> well, well, this it's not going to be a choral piece. What? It's going to be a poem. It's going to be a poem this week. Oh. Can, we, can we do a proper introduction, please? Yes, yes. sorry, because we've got re- the italics rewind. thing going on again. Rewind. Right. Let's go to choral pieces. Oh, f- Play the jingle, Adam. <laughs> and it is time for my choral piece of the week. Brilliant. I mean, can we just can we just use that instead of the jingle? Sure. Oh, yeah. He's already yeah. put that in. That's great. 
Fantastic. <laughs> All right, Dan. Uh, let, yeah, me, so, let me find the mute button. And yes, away oh, you go. As I as I said, uh, it's going to be a poem this week. However, it does have a choral influence. In fact, a choral influence, Simon, that you would be interested in. Okay. Because uh, it's, it's a Robert Louis Stevenson poem, and it can be found in part of his selections of songs of travel. Ah. Now, I'm choosing this one because... It's very close to one of the particular songs of travel that you know quite well, With a Must I Wander. Mm -hmm. And I'm choosing these because yesterday I gave my recital in Exeter Cathedral. Ah, yes. How did it go? It was really good. I was really pleased with it. I think it went really well. And it was very, it was just sweet and informal and lovely. And I've got a a video of the whole thing. So I'm going to slowly be kind of chopping up bits of that and, and kind of drip feeding them onto my Instagram at my leisure. But one of the pieces that I sang while being with a must i wonder the piece before that is titled the infinite shining heavens which is i think slightly less known or less, less well known and it's really lovely it's very short it's set to music beautifully but i think the poem is equally lovely so this is the infinite shining heavens by robert louis stevenson the infinite shining heavens rose and i saw in the night uncountable angel stars showering sorrow and light I saw them distant as heaven, dumb and shining and dead, and the idle stars of the night were dearer to me than bread. Night after night in my sorrow, the stars looked over the sea, till lo, I looked in the dusk, and a star had come down to me. There you go. Just a little. Oh, that was short. That's very nice. Sweet, and the and the the um the Vaughan Williams set setting to music is absolutely stunning, and I think particularly works well because obviously I the the, the two song uh, songs I sang from Songs of Travel were the upper voices arrangements for it, so so it's in a higher key than um than the original. Possibly, but it's I'm, really uh, lovely. Po- possibly, I'm being a bit thick here, but correct me. Right, so Songs of Travel that was, and that were written by Robert Louis Stevenson, mm. as in the same Robert Louis Stevenson that wrote Treasure Island. Uh, yes. Huh. I'd never connected those two things before. I mean, I've always assumed that, unless there are two. <laughs> uh, hang on, Robert Louis Stevenson's Songs of Travel. Because that is like two parts of my brain that have never met before. Yeah, they were they were composed, but the, the, the poems were written by Robert Louis Stevenson in a collection called Songs of Travel and Other Verses. Okay. Wow, amazing that he did that and invent the rocket. One second. What was a rocket train? Stevenson's rocket. Oh, Stevenson. Robert Stevenson. Never mind. Different person. <laughs> Completely right. different person. Well, there we go. The great engineer of the 19th century was not, in fact, the guy who wrote Treasure Island. I nearly said Muppet Treasure Island then as well. That's another video I need to make. I need to do a video on Muppet Treasure Island. If the Seeing as the one on Chicken Run is bizarrely successful. Now, well, actually, do, do we... Hang on. This is another italicized conversation. Does anybody want to bring anything to the table for um, Critics Corner? I do have one one small thing. But then we'll go to Critics Corner. All right, all right, all right. And now we're in Critics Corner. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's it's just a brief brief little aside. Uh, I'm I've, I'm watching and I'm up to date with both Des on ITV. Ah, with, Pixel Girl, um, watch that. David Tennant, which is very good. Quite like it. Moments where it's a little bit slow, but the performances are good. Um, and The Boys on Amazon Prime. Ah, mm. now I still need to watch it. What did you think? It's good. I think it's really good. Um, the 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 second season is particularly kind of like it's really starting to kind of hot up now. I mm. think a lot of the character arcs are really brilliant. However, I've heard from uh, Pyrian Flax in one of the most recent Triforces actually that the boys' TV show um, is quite different to the books. Right. Okay. Apparently, but all right. Well, yeah, but it's very good. It's I I would recommend it. I think it's mm. I think it's great. Now we in the previous episode though we did talk about you seeing Hamilton. Now have you had a chance to watch it? I mean, I know you've had a chance to watch it, but have you watched it? I've had a chance to watch it. I haven't watched it. I'm going to assume that that's the same with the recommendations I sent you last Coco. week. Coco. Uh, yes, Coco. I'm literally halfway through it. Ah, what do you think of it so far? I really like it. Yeah, it's really good, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's really good. It's really good. Yeah, the music. Um, in it it's is amazing great. to, especially given that with with having Disney Plus, I've been watching a lot of kind of old Disney and and kind of Pixar back catalogs and just the advances in animation is incredible Mm. Um, it's I I get it especially when watching the 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 one aspect of uh, Frozen 2 that I found slightly impressive because I really didn't enjoy it at all was um, them being able to animate like liquid physics is it is really remarkable Mm. 
Mm. Um, it's 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 a stunning looking thing. But I did also, and I, I um, mentioned this to you, Adam. I think uh, I rewatched Treasure Planet again. Oh, did you? Um, oh, it's so good. It's so good. I mean, I'll just happily sit and listen to the soundtrack without watching the film. But mm. my goodness, it's brilliant. Yeah. You said about car watching Cars last last time, and mm-hmm. Cars is one of my favourite. Pixar films of all time. Yeah. I, I love yeah. it. So after you said that, I went and watched Cars, then watched Cars 2, and then watched Cars 3. And yeah. the the improvement in animation between Cars 1 and Cars 3 is ridiculous. If, if yeah. you didn't actually see, you know, the, the, the cartoony Cars um, in some of the scenes in Cars 3, you would absolutely think that there's a chance that you could be looking at, you know, a picture. Yeah, you know, it's an amazing thing. Yeah, some drone footage of an actual area. It's it's incredible. Because I think the the thing that people forget about Pixar is that it is a um, obviously like it's it's full of creative people and artists, but it's also full of um, incredibly smart computer scientists. Oh yeah. Make, for example, like subsurface scattering algorithms and and improving, um, you know, rendering techniques and like the the it's it's like that fantastic fusion of art and science. Mm. It's kind of unique, mm. really, as an art form. Like it, it's so amazing. If people haven't seen the Pixar story, which is on Disney Plus, if people have Disney Plus, uh, it's an amazing documentary, kind of about that angle, about how it was always been that that fusion of art and science. It's, mm. Yeah, I have to watch that. Yeah, um, I, I actually have. Uh, a, a little thing based on a recommendation that we had previously which was uh we were recommended to listen to the album jesus is born by sunday service choir which was kanye west's gospel choir um mm. and sort of converting some of his songs i gotta say it wasn't it's not for me i think it's an interesting idea um but i think the, the reason it's not for me is just because i don't particularly like the genre of gospel i find it very slow and boring like, mm. and I'm sure that's what a lot of people think about, like Anglican music, and it's probably just because I haven't listened to enough of it. But like, I don't know, it just doesn't change very much. It's a lot of repetition. Um, I mean, I'm mm. literally describing Psalms right now. Um, but like, yeah, I, I gave it a go, but it, uh, yeah, not 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 really for me. Although a musical discovery that I would encourage people, and I'll put this in the show notes. Uh, not that anybody probably clicks the links in the show notes. Um, uh, an individual song it's less than four minutes long that I found uh, as a, com- a, a what's the word I'm looking for here, collaboration between the Kronos Quartet who are a, a string group and an artist called Mechlet um, uh, a song called The President Sang Amazing Grace about the, ooh is it Charleston? Is it the Charleston Massacre? Um, the uh, basically when a white supremacist went into a black church, yes, Charleston church shooting, um, and murdered, um, bloody how many people was it? It was a lot of people were shot, um, and it's a, a beautiful, uh, really, really beautiful kind of bit of almost spoken words combined with music. It's quite unusual, but I really, really like it. Thank you, Spotify, for recommending it to me. Mm. Never would have found that one on my own. Your algorithm's ace. If you want to harvest my data, it's a okay with me. <laughs> Adam, what have you been watching recently? Uh, I've been watching... The, the thing that I'm watching at the moment is Money Heist, which is... Um, oh, the Spanish one. The uh, Spanish Casa de one, Papel. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's really good. It's yeah, really good. I really... Pixel really Girl loves it. it. Yeah. Uh, but how far in are you? Uh, so we're we're almost we're almost actually done with what's available on Netflix. Um, so we're, we're sort of just about two thirds of the way through uh, season four. And, you know, I, I'm not going to not going to speak about it because there are a lot of spoilers because it's a very spoilery show. It's very much one of those shows that builds you up to expect one thing and then is like, aha, no, this thing instead. Mm. Um, but it's it's very good. It's very clever. And it's very interesting watching a show with subs as well, because I do not understand uh, a thing in Spanish, but. I'm starting to pick up on some words, but... Um... I mean, the thing that I've gotten from watching that, and there's another um, uh, show she watches, which is like um, Las Chicas de Cabel, uh, The Cable Girls. I, I, sorry, I apologise for my, my Spanish cast, because I know you're probably going to listen. Um, uh, is that like that and Money Heist are really melodramatic. Like, it's very, like... It's not subtle. Let's put it like that. Mm. Like it's it's like oh, and this person pulls a gun, and then it turns out that that per- it's almost like a soap opera. Like you know that person is actually in love with somebody else, and like they pull a gun on that person, and it's like uh, mm. it's just exhausting. Kind it's exhausting of exhausting to watch. I don't I, I don't know. I disagree. I think the money heist isn't isn't really like that. I think it's I, I think it's better than that. 
Okay. Uh, personally, and I'm surprised. I'm, I would have thought that you would have seen it, uh, but I'm I'm really enjoying it. I think it's actually really good. So I would recommend it. It sounds good. I'm reading the I'm reading the kind of synopsis, and it sounds brilliant. Because it started as like a small show on like a Spanish cable channel, I think, and then it got picked up by Netflix. Yeah. Like the world watched it and then they got renewed for like additional seasons. It's almost like what should have happened with Firefly. Like, oh God, can you imagine if they made Firefly now? And then, you know, they got dropped by Fox or whatever it is. And then Netflix picked it up. How how different would the world be? Like we wouldn't have yeah. coronavirus. We wouldn't have <laughs> Trump in power. Like Brexit wouldn't have happened if Firefly had been picked up by Netflix for additional seasons. Damn it, Netflix. It's like that time when Ed Miliband ate a bacon sandwich a little bit weird. And mm. like the world's fate just severed. I think that was Ugh. the start that led to to this I've year. I've said it before, I'll say it again, that was the moment when mm. everything went wrong in 2016. Uh, oh well. Red Ed Redemption happened recently in Commons, so that's something. Yeah, that was incredible. Go watch it. I'll include a link to that on YouTube as well. It's amazing. Good, good lord. I mean, like him winning a fight with Boris Johnson at this point is like sort of saying you want to fight with a dead horse. Um <laughs> It's not much of a competition. He also he also whipped out the the the, the classic Miliband line of telling that telling somebody that it's just it's wrong. You're you're just wrong. It's just wrong. He has, this, it's just not he has right. this really bizarre way of yeah. my lips Bless move him. more than they should. <laughs> you're just you're just wrong. <laughs> Maybe. Right. Okay, we should probably move on. I believe next up we have to say thank you to some very special people. I'd like to thank my mum and my dad for being wonderful parents. Um, Pixel Girl for putting up with me for as long as this. Adam for putting up with editing this episode up until this point. No wonder he wants to quit, frankly. God, so many people that I need to thank at this point. I'm just here for that sweet Wikicast money. That's all I'm here for now. <laughs> well, speaking yeah. of sweet yeah. Wikicast money, Adam. <laughs> what a segue. Feed me, patrons. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, what's a Patreon? Patreon, I mean, what isn't a Patreon, Simon? It's that it's that essential uh, to the podcast. Patreon uh, is a way of being able to support what we do on this crazy, rambling, ridiculous thing we call a podcast. Uh, for one or five dollars a week, you can support uh, this podcast. Some of that pay, as you've just heard, goes to our glorious, or went to, rather, our glorious editor, uh, Adam. It allows us to put money into a pot in case we need to do any travel or do some meetups or if we do merch or paying for hosting, which is the most important thing. Um, we really absolutely rely on it. So it's um, it's essential, really. Yeah, we couldn't, we couldn't do this without you. In which case, we're basically saying we blame you for inflicting this upon the world. Um, Absolutely. And I, basically, if you'd like to support us, then you can choose a team. You can be Team Cat or Team Dog. And if you want to be a special, extra special supporter of this nonsense, you can be a Top Cat or a Top Dog. Um, in fact, Jasmine was just in here a, a moment ago. My cat. She has since wandered off in absolute indifference, proving that she is a cat. Um, but I would like to thank the people who keep her fed with um, cat treats. And my goodness, there's a lot of you now. I'd like to thank Violet Hatch, Abu El Allah, the physics boy. <laughs> Lovely. What a name! Thomas Hill, Simon P, Jack Easton, Izzy Christie, Tom Withington, Nafi Iftikar, Christopher Betterton, River Ward, Layla Medina, Oliver Craigie, Will Janice Humphreys, Rance Kirk, Oliver Burkhart, Omar Miranda, Carl Mansfield, Princess Andromeda, Choco Cat, Bendant, Isabel Ostrowski, and the one, the only, the man with questionable lung capacity, Dan Hanvey. And I would like to say a massive thank you to Aaron Jorgensen, Remnar, Lexi at Front Desk, uh, still is hilarious, I love it. Uh, Eve Sharples, Alistair Fortune, Peter Reed, Maggie, Colin J. Brown, Codzo, Ben McMurtry, Jay Wright, and Eric Bolliger. Adam, do you want to say thank you to these people for keeping you enclosed and, and, and foddered and watered? Thank you very much for funding my takeaways. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I'd like to say a thank you to the Academy uh, for funding my takeaways. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, I'm just. Would that be funny if, like, you won like an Academy Award and you went up and tried to order, like, pretended you were ordering a takeaway? <laughs> um, like, yeah, so I'd like uh, ten chicken McNuggets. Nuggets? Uh, <laughs> can I get that with fries, please? Do you, 
Do you have any uh, gluten-free milk that I could possibly... Actually, just milk. No, milk doesn't contain gluten, does it? <laughs> like, oh boy. Like, cause if that's like the most like esteemed moment in your life, you've worked for this for so long, and then you're like, oh, can I get a, a wing bucket? <laughs> uh, with a side of George Soros money? Thank you. Hello, and welcome to Chili's. <laughs> <laughs> F*** your chicken strips. <laughs> F*** your chicken strips. Burger uh, King foot lettuce. <laughs> Is that a man riding a shrimp? <laughs> Woo! I Come on down to Del Taco. So- they got Freesha. Freesha Freesha We've gone, ladies and gentlemen. We've we've gone. Amazing. We've reached the vine section of the show. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, welcome to the phone-in show with Jeremy Vine. Uh, if you'd like to just phone in and quote your favourite vines at us, we'd really appreciate it. Fantastic. We should probably, however, do some extra special correspondence. We have a bit of correspondence here from Aditi. The uh, the subtitle is Request for More Podcasts with a little smiley face emoji, which we always appreciate. Uh, right. It reads, Dears, Messrs, Moore and Clark and Adam. Ooh. Love the podcast's recent episodes. They have been extremely fun and credit goes to all three of you. Just wanted to ask Adam if we could have more episodes of his and Danvi's podcasts, podcast Sparks and Quarks, as it was very good. And on the topic, a poetry podcast by the founder of Mormonism would be great too. Cheers, Aditi. Adam, how would you like to respond? My response is is that... <laughs> so, this is, <laughs> this is an interesting one. We were supposed to be recording... Uh, more episodes this summer however i got very busy with uh my internship dan got very busy with his job Mm. and it hasn't been done um and it will probably stay that way because i'm going into my final year of uni and i know that dan's a very busy boy at work um he's not he's not got much breathing space in his schedule yeah exactly yeah um but no uh Uh, uh, no unfortunately i i think i i don't think we're gonna see a return of sparks and quarks anytime soon unfortunately as much as both dan and i really wanted to to bring it back i'm not optimistic basically uh, i think we're gonna we're gonna be too busy unless from some spur of the moment this email has has you know meant that we're gonna record one in a couple of days time i don't know probably not um, so that's a Nick. Well, I'm perhaps. very sorry. Nick Frost loading shotgun. Oh, shame. Yeah. When uh, perhaps when the old man Dan podcast gets going, we'll need to have uh, Dan V and Adam on as guests. We can we can sate the the audience's need in that in that uh, in that manner. Hmm. I don't I don't really think that a poetry podcast is particularly good for a physics and engineering section. Oh, I don't know. I think I think given giving how kind of seemingly disparate they are hilarity can ensue. Uh, although I guess we could describe some equations as being poetic and beautiful. Yeah, but that's yeah, all see, just that's what key, we like to it? see. Yeah. That's what we like to see. Well, so the um I just said there uh like slake our readers thirst um which is normally how you accomplish via an only fans. But I just realized that to slake is a really unusual word, a verb. You also, mm. you never hear it out of any other context. Uh, apparently, uh, to slake comes uh, from Middle English slacken, uh, S-L-A-K-E-N, to render slack or to slake from uh, Middle English sliachen. But it's just, I don't know, it's like a really weird, you slacken the thirst as if like your thirst is tight. And by drinking, you loosen the tension. Mm. Just a weird one. Ah, I just thought I'd, 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 this is the etymology cast. You're welcome. I like it. Yeah. We do now have a fantastic email here from Isabel. Sorry, I sounded like spiffing Brit for a second then there. Um, we have a fantastic uh, email from Isabel Axelson. Correspondence. You two are ridiculous and also amazing. Hello, Dan and Simon. I'm writing in as yet another person that started and completed listening to the Wikicast during Corona. I don't know how people do this. I really That's don't incredible. know how they tolerate us for such a long period. Um, and honestly, it's the first podcast I've ever gotten into and been able to listen to besides a Swedish po- podcast documentary series about climate change and other political stuff. So thanks for all the non-content during my slow mornings at work, since we never properly went into lockdown here in Sweden. I do find this interesting that like Sweden's become this data point for like an alternative strategy. 
And mm. I don't know how Swedish mm. people feel about that or if, if Swedish people have, because I know there's a certain sense of national pride in that, but like, do they feel, I know more people have died in, for example, care homes, but I think the economy has been slightly better off for it. I don't know enough to know for sure. And that's, that might be incorrect. But I'd be if, if Swedes who are listening to this, do pop us in an email and let us know how you feel about it, because I'd be very interested to get an individual responses to that question rather than necessarily looking at statistics, because... Yeah, it's a very different way of going about things. Anyway, um, anyway, to the good stuff. And the reason I decided to write in, after too many episodes, I realised that Simon makes amazing videos about climate change. I haven't realised that either, so that's nice. Uh, which led me to follow you both on social media and finding Simon on Goodreads. On Simon's Goodreads, I saw his review for the book Prisoners of Geography, which is a fantastic read, for those of you who haven't read it yet. Um which immediately intrigued me and ended up getting in my next book order. Flash forward to the day of me writing this way too long and scattered email. I've read the book and decided to do a quick review on my Instagram as the second in a few I have planned. And the lovely Dan here commented on the post that he was going to add this book to his to-read list. Indeed. So Dan, despite the fact that I <laughs> I made the video of me recommending that book in our shared house and presumably <laughs> talk to you about it. Yeah, but to... you, I mean, there was lots of other things going on and there were lots of other books and... Let's be yeah, honest, I, I... Dan, you just weren't listening. No. no. Well, I mean, <laughs> so why it, would it I bother? Took, it took when information I, when going told to by... Sweden. <laughs> when, when I'm told my, by my dear friend, when I start waxing about poetry, Simon's response is, let me find the mute button. <laughs> yeah. Why? Well, well, I, I might not be listening all the time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I hope I'm not alone in seeing the irony in this. This is Isabel writing now. And love that the book might go full circle. Wikicast to reader to Wikicaster. Anyway, <laughs> you guys are great. Thanks for the climate content, Simon. You're very welcome. Uh, I'm glad that you enjoy it. Thanks for the Harry Potter audiobook nerdery and easy introduction to choral music for your playlist, Dan. It's going to be slightly weird mm -hmm. having to wait to be able to listen to new episodes now instead of just pulling up one whenever I have some spare time. I know that feeling, right? I've been... I'm currently working my way through the Greatest Generation podcast about Star Trek, and I'm dreading the day when I get up to date with DS9, because the ability to just like power through episodes whenever you want, like when I'm doing the washing up, is man, I, I, having one a week, awful. Anyway, sorry for this bare of an email. Peace, Isabel Axelson, aged 19 years old and three fifths. ID IDK maths isn't my strong suit. Um, Fair enough. P.S. Have either of you watched Netflix's Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency? Because if not, go watch the trailer. It's based off Douglas Adams' writing. It's a fantastic mix of chaos, detective work, humour, c*** and the supernatural. 10 out of 10, would recommend. Uh, sorry, that, that word is banned here, Simon. Please do not use the C word. Uh, yes, sorry. The, the, the c*** word. Mm. Are you going to be censoring that every single time, by chance? Sure, yeah. I'm actually going to beep it out in the episode. And people yeah. will not know what word they think. They may think that you've said something else. You're uh, such a but, well, but, but they can, they can have a good idea, and it and I can inform the readership that it's absolute foul language. It's, that Simon it's is, filth. Uh, it's, it's it's really quite dreadful. Not to be repeated on the Discord. It is cuttery of the highest order. Um, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's it's very cultish for you to write that in. Sorry, Adams just had to do a lot of unnecessary censorship. Um, yeah, have either of you watched Dirt Gently? No. I've heard that I think it is I good. The, I think I watched the trailer, but I don't know whether I watched it properly. Because obviously, you know, Douglas Adams wrote Hitchhikers, and that's fantastic. I mean, the radio, the film isn't really. There was something interesting about the film. What was it? I think the music might have been done by someone interesting. Um, but yeah, I should give it a go, because I think my dad has the books, I think, and really likes them. So uh, yeah, I, sh I should give it a go. Um, uh, yes, I remember what the interesting thing is, Dan. Hitchhiker's mm. Guide to the Galaxy film, the music is by Joby Talbot. Cool. That is so cool. <laughs> uh, which, Santiago. The guy he wrote, The Path of Miracles, hence where uh, Santiago came from. Um, yeah. It's a Wikicast deep cut there. Anyway, uh, PPS, uh, final thing from Isabel. I guess I'm team cat, but I also really love dogs. Check attached photos for a pic of my aunt's dog after she rolled around in a blueberry bush. But I've got to say, my real alliance is with rabbits, as my family has one that is the sweetest in the world. I can see the appeal of rabbits. It's a bit of an odd one, though, isn't it? Like, okay, right. Household pets, if you have a tier list, rabbits are like B tier. Mm, C tier. You can't really cuddle a rabbit, can you? Mm, no. I don't know. I, I, I used to not. have rabbits. There's quite a funny uh, an interesting story about the rabbits that I had when I was younger, actually. Because we 
We bought this rabbit from a farmer's market. Alive? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, this was like, you know... There's a carcass sort of, in, in a hutch. People were selling like chickens and, and, and all sorts like alive. But anyway, so we had this and we had it for a few weeks and I was in primary school at the time and I remember my my mum came into school and she, showed, she, she was like, I was like, what are you doing here? And she like showed <laughs> me a picture on her phone and we just had like seven baby rabbits. Oh, and oh. and our, our rabbit had just because we were told that it was male, uh, and mm. then a few weeks later we just had a load of baby rabbits. Um, well, you know what you know what they say they breed like, like Catholics, um, like um, oh, what is Catholic. it? Rabbits breed like um, Catholics. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh boy, yeah. That's some, did you keep, what did you do with the baby rabbits? Um, we kept a couple Stew. of them. Um, no. <laughs> Free. <laughs> no, uh, and then we uh, we I think we sold uh, the other ones to to some family friends and and stuff like that. Because a, a, a very similar thing happened with a friend of mine who had Russian dwarf hamsters, and I think the problem like animals that size generally they're very hard to sex because. Mm -hmm. They, you know, it's a problem that Dan, I'm sure, can empathise with. But they have incredibly small genitals, so it's very <laughs> difficult to distinguish between them. So they were assured that they had two, I think, females, and it turned out they had a male and a female. And because the gestation time and also the time to maturity for hamsters is so short, mm. um, they had babies immediately. And then before they had a chance to separate out the babies, the one of the parents had mated with one of the children, and they had a secondary brood. Oh jeez. Um, and it was like a it was a very rapidly multiplying situation. It was the nuclear reactor of of like mm. small mammalian mating. Now I um, thought you were gonna say that the, the mother had eaten a couple of them because that can happen as well. I think that's only when they're stressed. Like if they're if 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 small mammals are stressed, they're like, I can't be bothered to raise this child, yeet into my into my like gullet. Right. Um, I see. Because like they, you see it at zoos sometimes. I think uh, I think I'm thinking in particular of um, uh, tamarins, like really tiny primates. If they're really stressed, they'll just kill their children because mm. um, they can't be bothered to raise them. Mm. So yes, yeah, so they they I think equally also just sort of gave away a bunch of unexpected. Like they had like they went from two to like fifteen hamsters in the space of a couple of weeks. Wow, it was a bit ridiculous. But yeah, no rabbits are like. I mean, they're better than lizards. I, I, I'm sorry, Smith from Hat Films, who is obviously a long-time reader of this podcast, but, like, I don't see the point in keeping reptiles. Like, yeah, yeah, neither do I. I think the same about snakes. All they're going to do is break out and scare the f*** out of you. Why? Mm. Why? Why do you want snakes? I don't understand. If you someone can explain them. to me why someone wants snakes other than the fact that they are cool, please, you know, inform me. Yeah, write in an email. I'd be very interested to hear because I don't see the point, frankly. I had a really, I had a really shocking encounter with a snake like a month ago. Go on. I, this I may end up being I, censored. It might have to be censored. Um, I don't know if I tell. I probably didn't tell you because I thought it was inappropriate to discuss. I went. I um. I was having <laughs> some drinks and then the the night went on and we ended up going elsewhere for drinks and aside from drinks i think i think somebody had had brought a snake punnet of the punnet of the <laughs> with him um oh, uh, uh, oh how irresponsible i know i know shocking and um obviously you minute, had nothing to do with this just no, I mean, you were a, a good law-abiding citizen of course um and the next minute a corn snake was being passed around in a circle and there's a there's a photo of me having a moment <laughs> with this snake it's in, it was it was absolutely unreal. Is a corn snake the one that's yellow and red banded? Yeah, I think mm. so. Or like red and black because the red I think it's red and black because it, yeah, it looks it is, like yeah. another snake that looks poisonous. It's, it's really poisonous, yeah. Mm. But it was amazing. I quite like snakes. I I hate them. Uh, they're fine. I just wouldn't want to keep one. I hate no, them. I wouldn't have one, but I, I I really don't mind them at all. But there are also, you know how you get like designer breeds of dogs. You can also get mm. designer breeds of snakes as well now. So there are really? these, uh, yeah, I've heard, I, I think it was one of the old Discord members had some snakes that cost something like, they, they were worth like two grand each or something like this. What? Like, Good God. What yeah, are they made it's, of? It's some Platinum? weird world. Uh, yeah, I know. Well, yeah. in fairness, I mean, you 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 can pay an absolute arm and a leg for a pedigree dog. Oh, or yeah. Or you can just steal one. They're, it's free. They are not cheap. <laughs> no, Simon. <laughs> I mean, just thinking outside the box here. Like, you can pay for them. I don't think that's thinking outside the box. 
On the subject of dogs, this um, this reader's dog is absolutely beautiful. Yes, yeah. I put the picture of the Discord. It is gorgeous, gorgeous. Mm. Goral? I have no idea of telling what, what gender it is. What a stunner. I also just have, if, we, if I may, there is an additional email here that I would like to um, just finish off the podcast with. It's from mm-hmm. Espen Hughes. It's one of those O's with a diagonal going through it. Espen Hughes. Sure, we'll go with that. Espen. Uh, dear Messrs. Clork and Cocka! I became okay. a reader of this most fantastic podcast a year and a half ago while I still worked at the Door Factory. Oh, I bet that opened places for you. And I'm now about to start my third semester of software development. It is my regret that my gap year was not spent working at the highly esteemed Stapler Factory, but this is some mm. of the emotional baggage I'll have to carry around with me all my life. This feels like a non-joke. Mm. Like, <laughs> it's is... like an anti-joke, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I stumbled upon this podcast after the sex and more sex stream on the Jingle Jam 2018, where Simon sold himself so well that I had to subscribe... Having a strong... Had to subscribe to his channel on YouTube. Wow, I'm glad I made such an impression. Since my financial situation of being a student does not allow me to support you in any means of money, I will have to announce my preference of cats here. Thank you. Clark Catholicism is the only way to salvation. Blessed be. Also, I f***ing love this piece of non-tent. Keep it up. Non-tent. Why did we not think of non-tent yeah, as... Yeah, non-tent is good. Yeah. Non-content. Love it. Espen, you're it. you served the Soviet Union. Thank you so much for that neologism. There's not really much on my chest other than this video I think you'll enjoy. Is that a Rick roll? Oh, no, it's a video that is unavailable due to a copyright claim by Warner Brothers. Of course. Uh, it, dun, 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 dun. it brings it all back. <laughs> the death wow. ray boy is at his, he heard us yeah. talking his death ray and from beyond the grave the Warner Brothers lawyers received a, a, a missive. Yeah. What a what a, what a callback. Best regards, Espen, a.k.a. Eber, age 813,900 over 36,521. P.S. Get more guests for Clark's sake. Well, Espen, your wish is our command, and what a way to tie everything together. I didn't yeah. even read. the. I didn't know that it had been content blocked by Warner Brothers. That's amazing. What, what, was the, uh, what were the units on the age there? Because I didn't hear any. There were no units. This is a, wow. a, a dimensionless age. Nice. God, you're from beyond the plane. Maybe you come from one of the five dimensions that are non-existent in three-dimensional audio. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd also like to point out that uh, while I am team dog, I do <sighs> not uh, follow Mormonism. I'm That's sorry fine. to I say mean, that. We're, we're, we're pretty, we're pretty accepting just, church. Just the one wife for Adam. Yeah, I, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I do not want to, uh, to, well, I do not want to. Okay, let's rephrase this. Neither of you are role models for me. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're goddamn right. Fair enough. <laughs> completely, completely fair enough. That is the truest thing that's ever been said on this podcast. <laughs> if, ever some, if ever a guest has spoken for the readership, that it's, it, that's what it is. Yeah. I think we need to, when we do a next line of merch... We need to have a T-shirt that has a, has the Wikicast logo or our faces, and underneath it just says, "Neither of you are role models." <laughs> Hashtag not my role model. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, wow. Amazing. Well, and on that bombshell, uh, Adam, what have we learned today? Today we have learned about Theos Casimir Bernard, um, who was an explorer, an author, and yogi. Mm, yeah, yes. and an interesting character with interesting wives yes. who had other interesting husbands, as it turns out. And then we went on just the biggest deep dive into Wiki, uh, Wikipedia I searching. Mean, one way or another, we've made Wikicast history today, I think. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's certainly Absolutely. a very special episode. And that's all for this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your podcasting service of choice. You can like us on Facebook. And if you'd like to see our faces, check out our YouTube channel, Spongy and Electric. Swedish thoughts on lockdown, just for reptiles and other thoughts on the show can be sent to us at spongyelectric at gmail.com we would love to hear from you thank you for joining the podcast Adam it's been great to have you yeah thank you for having me join us again for another tumble down the wiki rabbit hole and we'll we'll see see you next time time. (laughs) you you could do such a to us and like re-record all of your audio Uh, be like so you support like uh you support uh killing children don't you and then and then dan and i are like yes yeah uh, absolutely (laughs) rescue that one in the editing